want to know if I'm among friends this morning. Am I among friends this morning? Yes. We'll see. Uh, I wonder how many of you, uh, when, when you purchase something that uh, uh, has a phrase on the box, the phrase says something like this, some assembly required. How many of you experience, when you purchase something like that, that says some assembly required, you experience a crisis moment in life? Raise your hand if, you're, if it's a crisis. Okay, hands down. How many of you, uh, if it says some assembly required, you meet that task with a bring it attitude? All right, so we're about 50, 50. I'm, I'm, in the, I'm in the bring it attitude. Like, there's nothing more exciting than the phrase some assembly required. Now, I want to know how many of you are monsters in this room? That when there is a required uh, um, task before you, and it includes an instruction book, how many of you are monsters, and you read through the entire instruction manual front to back before you start the project? Monsters. I live with one. (laughs) How many of you are God-fearing human beings... And on the other hand, you take that instruction book, that directions, and you place it where it belongs, in the kitchen trash can. Raise your hand. Okay, I am. That is fantastic. That has nothing to do with the message. That's just the subtle dispute between... No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) We all know... Uh, what it means to follow directions, instructions uh, in, in front of us. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. A couple months ago, uh, as a staff, we were having a discussion about how uh, rickety our uh, check-in stations were in both our kids' corner and the nursery. If, if you're hearing that something was rickety in the nursery, you're about to pull your kids out of there. But we fixed it, okay? Uh, we had these temporary solutions that we purchased when we first renovated kids' corner behind me, the kids' area, a couple years ago. We bought these uh, real quick kitchen carts. We put computers on them so that we had check-in stations for security. And uh, these uh, check-in stations were only supposed to be a temporary solution, uh, but I don't know if you know, but in the church, a temporary solution often lasts like three years, okay? And uh, it was time for us to upgrade, so we started shopping around. We found these awesome metal uh, industrial kind of commercial grade cabinets with wheels, and they were very cool, and we ordered them, and they came. And I happened to be here at the church uh, one evening when these boxes were in front of my door. As the, the girls in the office know, that I like to put things together. I like that task. I like uh, being in the mood to play with adult Legos. You know what I'm talking about. So much fun. And so one evening I'm here by myself and I needed one of those moments. I was in one of those, uh, one of those moods where I knew I needed a start-to-stop experience. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? I, I needed like a project that I, I could give 30 minutes to. <laughs> yeah. And I, I could accomplish something and with no one around me, I could pat myself on the back and say, you're a great handyman, Pastor Stevan. <laughs> And so I did. I ripped into the package. I took all the parts out. I I pulled all the plastic off of them and all the stupid styrofoam that comes with them to protect them. And I had everything lined out. And I I saw the picture on the box. I knew exactly what it took to build these things. And I jumped right in. Now, I didn't throw the instructions away like I maybe normally would have because I was here in God's house. I just set it to the side for possible reference. And I began to put these carts together, the first cart together. And I was doing great. Let me tell you, I was, I was doing great. The wheels were on, the top and the bottom were both on, the sides, everything was numbered. It was pretty simple to follow along. All the screws were going where they should. And then there were two doors that were still yet to be put onto this cart. 
It turns out that there's a reason that they numbered the two sides of the cart separately. Because you were supposed to put them on a specific way. Well, guess who didn't put them on that way? Jessica. No. <laughs> She'd have done it right. So I spent the next 30 minutes disassembling everything I'd put together and re-putting it together the correct way. And I never told anyone about it till now. Because last week was all about confession, so now I feel better. Yeah, the only bonus, the only part that makes this a good story is that the second one went together really great. I knew exactly what I was doing for the second time. Uh, one of our family uh, fun things that we like to do uh, in the evenings is watch Food Network challenge shows. Do you guys watch any of those? You love like people competing against each other to try to make the best fluffernutter? I just made that up. I don't even know what that is. Uh, they, they work together. They're like uh, competing against five people in these makeup kitchens real quick, trying in an hour's time to make a three-piece, three-piece chicken dinner, no, a three-course three meal or, a, or a, some kind of cake that stands up on its own. I don't know what they're doing. I, I don't really pay attention to all the intricacies of the show, but one of the things I love is when things go wrong. Is that okay? Is that okay? Anybody else like it when things go wrong on TV? Six of us. We need to have a support club. <laughs> I love it, especially when uh, one of the people that's on the show, one of the ones competing against others, says kind of in a whisper voice something like, I forgot to put flour in the cake. <laughs> they, they, they whisper it and they're like, oh my goodness, I hope no one notices, right? Well, guess what happens in those shows? The, the judges notice. You, you know what I'm talking I, I guess you can't make a cake without flour, I guess. I don't know. And they try to make a cake without one of the main ingredients. They haven't followed the recipe perfect. And the judge finds out things are horrible. And unless one of the other contestants actually set another contestant on fire accidentally, that's the contestant that's going home in the next voting round. We know the importance of following directions, following instruction manuals. We know the importance of following a, a recipe. There's a little bit of a room to grow there in a recipe, but we know the importance of following instructions before us in our world. The life of a Christian this morning, I want to remind you, it's a no-brainer that it's so important for us to follow the instructions that God has given us in His Word. It is so important for us not to simply pass it off as an idea. And I think we kind of do it. I think if you've grown up in the church... You, you, you've come to this mindset, maybe you've come into a series of messages like this, and you, and you, and you know, you, you know, okay, Pastor Stephen's going to talk to us about prayer, and, and worship, and living a life of confession, and repentance, and I've heard this stuff before, I've even got the Bible verse, like, written on my wall at home, Pastor Stephen, and this is all, like, I, I know, I, I want to remind you that we might know, but we have to be, we've got to Fall in love again, church, with God's instructions. He has given us His holy word. We have access to it in a way that many parts of the world would love. And we need to be people of God's word. Why? I, I don't know if you know this or not. 
But you need instructions for building something. You need a recipe to bake something. You need God's instruction for your life because, secret, you don't know everything. Did you hear me? Some of you are like, but maybe, maybe it'll help this way. Look to the person to your left and tell them, you don't know everything. John, John just went, yeah. I can't do it. I'll get in trouble. We don't know everything. We don't know it all. You, me, we don't have it all in our head and in our heart. And God wants to continue to speak. Do you not know that you don't know everything? If you don't yet believe that, try seventh grade geography homework or earth science homework when your daughter comes home after missing a day of school on the day that they covered fossil layers and she says hey dad I need some help guess who didn't know everything her mom no it was me (laughs) this morning I want to challenge us I want to challenge us in the area of being teachable humbly teachable in our spirit, to be renewed in our diligence, to be constant learners. God wants to continue to reveal himself. He wants to continue to change, to mold, to make us, to point out areas in our life, to lead us to discern how we are to work through this life's life. How do we maintain a teachable spirit? You know. Continue to be people of God's word. To be people of God's word means to acknowledge that we truly need his constant training to exercise our holy muscles, our spiritual muscles in knowing what God wants, to turn up his volume of his character in our lives, to humble ourselves before him. We need to be men and women, boys and girls, people immersed in his word, his holy word. I want to look at a a specific psalm, Psalm 119 this morning. And if uh, Psalm 119, maybe some of you are grabbing your Bibles right now, maybe uh, some of you were just triggered in your heart when I just said Psalm 119, because if you've grown up in the church, maybe you know Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in all of creation. And we're going to read it 16 times. Psalm 119, we're going to read a few verses in the beginning of the first 16 verses of Psalm 119. It's a powerful uh, a chapter. It, it, it's a great reminder for us of the importance of God's law, depending on the translation that you have this morning. We're going to read it from the New Living Translation, but it really reveals to us the importance of God's word. His words, his holy, uh, understand, his, his desire to communicate with us is of utmost importance. We're not going to read the whole thing. But as you're turning there in your Bible app, I challenge you, maybe today, maybe this afternoon before your Sunday Wesleyan hour nap. Some of you take it during Wesleyan church too. Uh, Before your nap this afternoon, I, I just dare you, I challenge you. Maybe sometime this week if today is not possible. Read through the, the entire psalm and allow it to challenge your heart. Psalm 119 does elevate God's law to a level that maybe we don't talk about enough. 
It raises God's standard and it elevates God's words as a a source of guidance and direction in a way that we should take notice of. And maybe, uh, maybe like me, you have this initial bristling at the idea of God's L-A-W, his law, because we have this culture that uh, either likes or doesn't like certain laws. We, we have a lot of laws in our culture, right? Uh, we like some certain laws, and we especially like those laws when other people are following them that would otherwise break those laws. And other uh, laws, we kind of, uh, uh, we've had this conversation before. We leave up for a little bit of interpretation, depending on how quickly we need to get to do, boys. Thank you for laughing. Somebody speeds like I do. I mean, like Jess does. But the law of God, some have said that the, the law in Scripture, those thou shalt nots that Scripture reveals, keep Christians from having fun. Anybody ever heard that? Christians don't have fun. Anybody ever heard that? Has anyone ever made it their life's goal to let people know that that's not true? Can we have fun as... Some of you are like, that's true. I ain't never had no fun in this church. <laughs> if you just said that, we got to talk. I, I, w- I want you to know, Hyde Wesleyan Church is made up of a bunch of Christians who love to have fun together. Do you know you're going to have fun as a Christian? And you know, some people have even said that God's law is why people don't even try to follow after God. They're not willing to surrender themselves before God. As we look here at the holy habit of ingesting God's holy word, let's hear what the psalmist writes. I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 16 from the New Living Translation, and then we'll look a little more in detail. Listen to God's word. Psalm 119. Joyful are people of integrity who follow the instructions of the Lord. Joyful are those who obey his laws and search for him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil, and they walk only in his paths. You have charged us to keep your commandments carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect your decrees. Then I will not be ashamed when I compare my life with your commands. As I learn your righteous regulations, I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey your decrees. Please don't give up on me. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word. I have tried hard to finally find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I praise you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. I have recited aloud all the regulations you have given us. I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. I will study your commands and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. Jesus, would you add your blessing to the reading of your scripture? Would your Holy Spirit be felt in this place? Would you convict our hearts? Lord, continue the work of transformation that you've begun in each of us. Lord, would you help us to fall in love with your word? Would you make it fresh and new, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. From verses 1 and 2. From verses 1 and 2, we have this picture of joy being available to us. Joy for who? 
Verses 1 and 2 say people of integrity can find joy. Those who follow the instructions, follow the law. Those who obey God's law. Those who search for Him with all of their hearts may be joyful. Hear me again this morning, Hyde Wesleyan Church. Joy is available. Does the work Does the world look very joyful today around us? I'm not just talking about the weather with brown snow everywhere. Does the world look very joy-filled in a lot of culture? It doesn't. There's so much brokenness. There's so much uh, betrayal. There's so much uh, fakeness in, in our world. There's not a lot of joy, true joy. But Scripture reveals to us right here that God does want for you and me to experience His joy, true joy. And the only way to find it is to surrender to His will, to walk according to His instruction, to follow His recipe, to follow His manual. God says those who search after Him, those who would seek after Him with their whole heart, those are the ones who will find true joy, true fulfillment. Seeking after God with our full attention, our our entire self being all in with our pursuit of Him requires more, again, hear this, more of God, less of me, more of His Word in my life, less of my own words for my life, less of the world's words for my life, His Word, His guidance, His way, His leading. Last week we talked specifically about the importance of living a life of confession and repentance, of humbling ourselves before God and confessing the ways that we are, the brokenness, the sin that so easily entangles you and me. The only way, I want you to hear this, the only way for us to know what that sin is that God needs to edit in our life, the only way to lay it before Him is to see His standard from His Word. Verse 9 asks the question beautifully, how can a young person stay pure? How can we stand firm and stay pure? And the answer is by obeying your word. Here in our world, maybe we've asked the same question, how can a young person stay pure? And we've answered that question by digging deeper bomb shelters. You know what I'm talking about? We've answered that question, how can a a person stay pure in this broken, corrupt world? It's by adding a thicker bubble to their life. Uh, by, By spending more time creating for ourselves these subcultures that try to seek to remove us from all the dangers of this world. And the psalmist gives us, God's word reminds us here, that the answer is not more walls in our life, but rather to follow the instructions God gives us, His recipe, His manual, can help us to withstand whatever this world has to throw at us. If I truly want to live a surrendered life to God, if I truly want to follow the ways of Jesus, if I truly believe that Jesus is the hope for the lostness this world has, then my desire, my focus, my attention must be to follow His Word. To understand His desire for my life, for the world. How do we do it? 
Verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Here's the how. Hide his word in your heart. Can I remind you that it's not good enough to have a stack of these on a shelf in your living room? Hello? Every translation in the world, every opportunity, every, every app that has God's word in it is insufficient in and of itself. We must allow God's word to become something in us. Here, here's, i got to confess something, and I, I warned Verlee of this so that she wouldn't just laugh at me. When, when we first came to Hyde uh, five years ago, almost five years ago now, I was kind of getting to know people in the office and knowing how, how we do things here. And, and Verlee was showing me one day uh, uh, a drawer, a drawer in her office that she has devoted to all of the manuals of all the things in this building, all the instructions. She's been saving them for 15 years. And, and I, I, I got to just confess to you, I, I, I had one of those, oh, bless her heart moments. When she first showed me this drawer, I mean, it's just slammed full. It's beautiful. She's got everything. And I mean, if I wanted to know how to flush a toilet, she's got a manual on that. <laughs> and I, I kind of scoffed at it initially. I'm like, oh my goodness. You know, because I, I already told you what I do to those manuals. Whoosh, they're gone. We needed to update our phone system one day. And guess who couldn't just figure it out on his own? Needed to change some names on one of the handsets, one of the, the, the devices that was in one of our offices when we were switching offices, and I, I couldn't figure it out. There wasn't enough codes in my brain to type into the phone. And guess who had the manual? And guess who waited till she went home to check that manual? I gotta die to that pride. It happens a lot. And, and the importance of having th those manuals is not just to keep up space, but to know the information. Likewise, with God's word, verse 11, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The information here in God's word, the way God speaks to us continually. How many of you have known God's word fresh? You've read a verse a hundred times in your life, and you've read it the hundred and first time, and you're like, I never read it that way. Have you experienced God's word in your heart that way? The importance of us being people of God's word is that we can begin to allow that to percolate inside of us, allow it to become something deeper than just knowledge. God wants to continually reveal himself. He wants us to hide his word in our life in order that we may be able to stand firm through life's temptations. You know this truth. The sin will always continually seek to distort our reflection of a holy, perfect God. And the psalmist is reminding us that hiding God's word in our hearts is a surefire way to help keep that distortion from happening. Paul in Ephesians refers to God's word as the sword of the spirit. We understand, we've uh, talked about it before, that this is an, uh, an offensive and defensive weapon. God wants to give us strength through his word to combat the enemy. We can know verses of scripture that will help us. We can hide God's word in our heart. We can read it and memorize it and allow it to become something deeper than just simply knowing a verse. Verse 13 says, I have recited aloud all the regulations you have given us. 
If you grew up in church like I did, you might remember how important generations ago uh, reciting scripture was. Memorizing and reciting. I can't tell you how many times I won a Hershey bar. You can imagine by looking at me. How many times I won a Hershey bar by reciting a passage of scripture, memorizing and repeating back to one of my Sunday school teachers. It was such an important thing and I got lots of Hershey bars. Sure, here we are in 2019 with the Bible in any translation we could ever want, in any paraphrase, in any language, at our disposal, on our smartphone. But there is no reason not to continue to grow to learn to love his word and hide it in our hearts. I, I want you to hear there's nothing wrong with searching for scripture in a moment. But I want you also to know that God's word hidden in our heart can help us in a moment when we don't have cell phone service. Can help us in a moment when our phone is not in our pocket. Can help us in a moment when Google is not at our disposal. God wants to hide his word in our heart that we can know it and stand firm. Verse 15, I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. The New Living Translation says, it maybe your translation says, meditate. Meditate, and in my growing up, was a, uh, one of those dangerous words, meditation. It's kind of weird, right? Kind of had this Eastern religion mentality or connotation to it. It was a little dangerous. Can I, can I encourage you right now? Meditation, it does not mean removing every thought from your body and saying, home, okay. <laughs> to meditate on, how, you, how did you translate that? Jill, what did you just do? Okay, thank you. <laughs> I saw her move her hands kind of like I just did, and I was like, oh, I wonder what happened down there. <laughs> Squirrel. <laughs> Meditation is far less about emptying our minds and much more about filling it. Amen? To allow God's word to become something that we think about. We're not encouraged to remove every thought, but to fill our thoughts with the thoughts of God and his character. To ask his word to become alive again. To fill ourselves in such a way that his word is what we recall in those moments of distress, and those moments of our mind wandering. To allow God's word to become our word for the moment. You ever, take a, you ever have to take a break from whatever it is you're doing in order to accomplish that thing. Is, follow me here for a second. In staff meetings on, on, on Wednesdays, we have wonderful times of brainstorm, and we're talking, and everyone's talking, especially the women. <laughs> <sighs> Careful. They're talking and we're brainstorming. We're trying to dream up answers for things that we're facing. And there's so many good ideas coming around. But we often just hit this, we hit this roadblock where we're like, nobody, I, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to figure this out. We don't know how to fix this. And so we kind of take a break and we go away from it. And usually it's someone some other day of the week while they're driving, right? That gets this light bulb moment where our, our mind has been working on the problem. We've been trying to figure out how to fix it. And again, it's usually one of the ladies that gets the idea and solves the problem. You know what that means about us? It means our brain is absolutely incredible. The, the, the fact that we've spent all this time, this intentional time, we think we have to figure it all out in this moment, and then we have to bail. We, we just have to bail, and our mind continues 
to do the work. It continues to process all the information. It continues to do things that we don't even ask it to do. Amen? And it's working on it. So it is with meditating, with allowing God's word to percolate inside of us what he does. I can't tell you the number of times I've been in conversation one-on-one with someone talking about real life stuff. And God's word comes back in those moments to be a word of encouragement, to be a word of transformation in someone's heart and life, to allow something to do a work. Usually for me, it's a paraphrase of God's word, if I'm honest. I don't usually recite very well from the King James Version of my youth, but God's word is alive. Can I encourage you? Can I encourage you, brothers and sisters? Allow God's word to percolate. You got to do the data entry. It doesn't just show up uninvited, right? We can't just download it to our brain. We have to take it in. We have to make it a consistent discipline. We have to fall in love with God's word. He wants to reveal himself to us. Finally, this morning, verse 16 says, I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. Again, joy, delight, happiness. We can experience the joy that comes from knowing God's desire. From knowing what God wishes of us. What God's will is for you and for me in a world that is ever-changing, in, in a world that is continuing to turn its back on its creator, we can experience joy as we know God's will, God's desire. If you and I want to experience the joy-filled life, we must read more read often about what God thinks of us. This is not just a reminder to check off of a list in the morning that you have read Scripture. Reading, just for reading's sake, is not the point here. Reading without the possibility of transformation of God's Word taking root in you and me, allowing God's Word to become something more for us is the desire. If we want to grow... We must exercise our spiritual muscles and be who God wants us to be. We must be people who love God's word. Listen to this. You know the truth. Not everyone acknowledges the value of the Bible. Just a year ago in 2018, GQ magazine published a list of 21 books you don't have to read. The Bible was one of those books it recommended to avoid. Among other things, the editors of GQ called it repetitive, self-contradictory, and foolish. Yet, as the author and radio host Eric Metaxas observed recently, without reading the Bible, you could never comprehend works of art like the Sistine Chapel by Michelangelo or the Last Supper by da Vinci. You could never fully grasp Dante, Milton, or Bach. He also suggested that we would not understand much of Shakespeare without the Bible. The Bible also has supernatural possibilities. I I read about an Indian man named Raman who belonged to a gang of burglars. 
Once when he was burglarizing a house, he saw a black book with thin gold edge pages and he thought the paper would be ideal for rolling cigarettes. So he took it and every night he tore out a page from the book, packed some tobacco in it and rolled it up for a smoke. One day he happened to notice that the writing on the pages was in his language, so he decided to read it before he rolled that cigarette. He kept this up for several weeks, and one night something changed. He never got around to rolling his cigarette because the words cut deeply to his heart. And he fell to his knees and asked Jesus to save him. He later went to the police station and confessed his crimes, and while in prison, this former burglar, now a follower of Jesus, led many other men to Christ. The Bible has the power to transform. Another story, Elizabeth, the 16-year-old daughter of Christian parents, grew up in Southeast Asia. A relative said that she knew of a good-paying job in a neighboring country, and anxious to earn money for college and help her parents, Elizabeth went with this relative who handed her off quickly to human traffickers who shipped her across the border. Confined to a brothel, she was raped night after night. Fortunately, investigators from the International Justice Mission persuaded the local police to raid the brothel, and when they found Elizabeth, they saw that she had written on the wall in her language these words from Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Investigators found dozens more scripture verses on the wall of her room, all written by hand, transcribed from the Bible she read when not forced to serve customers. God's word has the power to sustain us in unbelievable situations. What about us? <laughs> Maybe our, our lives aren't the same dramatic paragraphs that these are. Maybe our storylines aren't exactly the same, but nevertheless, God's word serves as a guide for you and for me every single day. Finally, Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy in his letter to his protege, a young pastor who would be leading the church. He wrote this, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Verse 17, God uses it to prepare and to equip. Prepare and equip his people to do every good work. How can we treat this book like just any other book? When it is God's holy word, his desire for his people to live for him in a world that chooses not to. Hide Wesleyan Church. Please be people of God's word. Don't shy away from it. Don't get tired of it. 
If you've had the excuse in the past, if you've used this, and I know some of us have, I just can't get into it. You don't have to raise your hand. That's a common statement. Try again. There are dozens, hundreds of translations and paraphrases. There are options. We can get into the conversation at a later time on which translations are more accurate, which translations are more Wesleyan in their thinking. We can get into that conversation a long time in the future. Right now, I challenge you, find God's Word fresh and alive again. Hear Him through the pages of His Word. Will you stand with me? Let's bow our heads together. Jesus, thank you again. Thank you again for your presence in this place. Thank you for leading us here to meet with you. Thank you for every man, woman, and child in this building, for all the opportunities that are ours today to worship you, to gather, for fellowship. Thank you for your word that penetrates into our hearts and provides for us a knowledge of your desire, the ways in which you are challenging us every single day by your word. Lord, I pray that you would continue that for the man or the woman that is in this room today who has allowed your word to become stagnant. God, I pray that you would renew their desire to dive back in. God, I thank you for testimonies even this morning of the ways in which your word has come alive again. Thank you, God, for choosing to speak to us through your word. God, as many of us today or this week read through Psalm 119, I pray, God, that your word would come alive again and that the desire to be challenged by your standard would become a footprint that takes root inside of each of us. Would you renew our strength and our desire? Would you go with us from this place into whatever today and this week holds? And would you consistently reveal yourself through your word? I pray. We love you for who you are. And we thank you for loving us. We pray your blessing upon this day. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. God bless you.